everybody. My name is Sean. I'm a quality geek, I think would be the, the nicest term to put it. And I, I think that if you're here too, uh, you're, you're probably a quality geek as well. So welcome to the whole thing. Um, a little bit about me and, and why this exists. Um, for the last six years of my professional career, I've been building, implementing, and maintaining quality systems in the contract manufacturer space, uh, creating systems for aerospace industry, medical, automotive, general industry stuff, working with uh, ISO 9001, AS9100, IATF 6949, um, CFR 21 CFR, whatever the FDA one is, you know, I didn't work with it well, apparently. Um, so, so that is me, I'm a quality systems and process person trying to make life easier through quality, getting a good business management system in place, uh, goes, goes far. Um, and as, and again, if you're here, probably know a bit about quality systems and just need to, uh, to, to either learn a little more um, early in the career, or just need to convince that local business down the street that, Hey, my goodness, you need to put a process in place. Um, so, I mean, the, the quality systems approach to, to business, you know, it, it saves time, it saves money, it saves energy, uh, prevents loads of issues before anyone even notices. I mean, that's, that's what a good quality system does. And that's why, we talk about it, you know, that's, that's what we're going to, what, what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, um, in, in this podcast and how, how quality concepts work and not only how they can be applied at work, but maybe at home and how to tell that local business down the street, um, that they can do a little better. <laughs> so, um, no, no, that's not, that's not the intent. The intent is to learn enough to then become a contractor, to work with that local business, to save them time, money, and energy. Woohoo! It's all, Never mind. We'll, we'll get into that stuff later on. Uh, let's see here. I, I spend my days building systems and trying to make improvements to those systems to, to meet customer requirements. Yeah, and that's, that's really all that, that a quality system does, is it better meets customer requirements. At the end of the day, that's what your business is trying to do, meet those customer requirements. And a good quality system helps with that. And now we aren't just talking about the, the customers that, that buy the product. We're talking about the, the whole group of interested parties that, that comprise that customer base. You've got internal, you've got external, you've got that private equity firm constantly breathing down your neck for EBITDA returns. You've got your registrar saying like, well, you gotta do this. You've got your insurance company making sure that you've got all sorts of stuff in place. There are lots of customers, lots of interested parties that we need to work with and need to keep their their needs and requirements in mind and a, a good quality system helps make that process way easier. Um, you know, like, like for my, my day-to-day -day stuff, um, for my staff, I need to build easy to use tools and systems so that they have an, an easy day at work for my, uh, product customers. I need to build a system that creates cost savings that will deliver constantly for, for them. Um, and, and for my, um, you know, big, big bosses, the, that private equity group that we all report to in one way or another, um, we've got a return on, on that investment. 
that they made. So we have a lot of, of needs that we need to constantly keep in mind. And that's what the quality system helps do. And it's really cool the way that it can do that. We're going to talk about um, plan, do, check, act, that very basic sounding concept that that is so much fun to actually implement. And once it's part of your general culture at, at work, it's an amazing tool to, to see in place. Um, but it's tough. It's tough. It's possible, though. And I think that's the coolest part about this whole thing. We have a, a tremendous task ahead of us as quality systems professionals. Um, and it's, it's possible to make it happen. We need tools, though, that make it easier, that, that make it happen. And we need to use those tools properly. So the, that is the, the five-minute breakdown. That would be a very long elevator ride, wouldn't it? That's um, as far as elevator pitches go took five minutes of talking very quickly to get through what, uh, what a quality system is and what this podcast, uh, currently called Everyday Quality, because um, we need to use it every day at work, at home, make your life easy. Um, that's, that's what this whole thing is going to be about. So I'm very excited that, that you were able to, to tune in and join me here today because there's, there's a lot of stuff, and it's cool. And again, I've, I've only been doing this for six years. Um, learned a lot um, through mostly 80-hour weeks for, for the last six years straight because um, contract manufacturing gets a little hectic sometimes, right? Now, I, I would assume that by working 80 hours a week for, for six years straight on quality systems means I'm not very good at it. However, uh, my own ego doesn't let me fully believe that. Um, so I've learned a lot in the last six years, and, and the intent would be to help out you know, all the, those newcomers to, to this space. Um, if you are, um, you know, working at a, a shop and you've got, um, 10 employees and, and somebody says, Hey, you're in charge of the quality system now, but get ready for ISO. Um, then this is for you. Um, a lot of folks in this space, um, have been doing it for, you know, 20, 30 years longer than I have. And, um, there's a lot of smarts out there. So uh, at the end of all of this, I'll shoot out an email address and um, send in comments, send in your tips and tricks. We'll share it with anybody willing to listen. Now, um, the, the reason this exists is because of an experience that I had with a dentist. All right. Nobody likes going to the dentist. And nobody really likes having to go to the dentist multiple times for um, non-health-related issues. Um, and that's that's the impetus for all of this. A bad experience at a dentist. And I'm like, hey, you know what that dentist could have used? A good quality system. And most importantly, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of tools. And I want to start by talking about a, a tool that can absolutely prevent inventory mismanagement. All right. Today, we're going to talk about the small but mighty Kanban card. All right. I do want to talk about this, this dentist story first, though. Um, I'm, I'm definitely one of the, the many people throughout the, the world that during the pandemic um, cracked a tooth. Um, I read an article that, that something like 
um, in, by late 2020, um, dentists were daily seeing patients for cracked teeth. Um, the stress of it all, um, the, the, we were um, all stuck in the lockdown kind of stuff and, and people were grinding their teeth constantly to the point of cracking it. Um, now with you know, three of my six years in the quality space, um, being pandemic based and, you know, getting, um, progressively more and more responsibilities in the, the quality realm. Um, I definitely stressed out quite a whole bunch and quite often, um, trying to get people to finish up corrective actions. Um, and I cracked a tooth, just bam, snap, hurt. Um, not fun. Never done it before. Generally good teeth. Um, but the tooth that I cracked was a wisdom tooth. Um, big old Cro-Magnum jaw, so I never needed them removed when I was younger. Um, so I cracked a wisdom tooth right in the back of the, the mouth. Um, went to see a dentist, and they said, you know, we could probably yank these teeth out, and, and we'll call it a day. Um, so we just said, sure. Now, and I, I understand wisdom teeth over time, most certainly, um, do age and decay and crack anyway, from, from my understanding, limited understanding of teeth. Really my only skill set is working in Excel a whole bunch. So, um, <laughs> what are we doing here? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Quality and Excel. And they're very, very intermingled. So we'll, we'll get to that in future episodes. Um, so I scheduled this appointment, um, and I, I said, okay, perfect. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done with, um, not, um, having some sort of extreme painkiller to, uh, to go through medical procedures. So I told him, you know, I, I would really like the, the nitrous, that laughing gas stuff, um, just to make it an easier process for, for everybody involved. Um, they said, sure. Yeah, do it. We'll, we'll get that nitrous all set for you. Um, so we scheduled the, the tooth removal, um, for like three weeks later, very backed up dentist. And I was like, well, you know, it, it hurts, but that's okay. So, um, made the appointment and, and, um, waited. Um, so I very much, you know, I established my requirement why well, I need that nitrous or else everybody's going to have a weird time because I get, you know, pretty nervous with knives in my mouth. Um, and that was, that was the the requirement set so done and done. Right. So what we have there at this point, I'm the customer. Um, I've established my customer requirement and the, um, contract was signed like nitrous, pull the teeth. I pay. You. That was the, the extent of it. Um, so that's, that's really what it is. Everybody has to meet those customer requirements regardless of, um, where we are. And again, we don't have to meet them. We should be able to in the, the manufacturing realm, at least, we can review um, part prints and, and work together to make a, a better product for sure. Um, but that's, you know, a little larger. Customer requirements, though, what every business is ultimately trying to make or meet, rather. Day of the surgery arrives. I, I get called back and I'm, I'm nervous, you know, blood pressure's probably a little higher than it, it needed to be. I'm sitting down in that funky dentist chair, um, watching the trees outside the second story window waft wildly in the, the winds that has rolled in. And then I sit, sit for 20 minutes. 
I sit some more. Now around me, I'm, I'm hearing lots of clicking sounds behind me, but, but nobody had come in to say, um, all right, we're just running a little behind and, um, we, we need to, to just wait just a minute. Um, none of that happened. So there's just sitting there, no progress at all made to, to yanking these, these bones out of my mouth. Um, 30 minutes pass and a, a nurse, um, comes in and they strap that there's this weird breathing apparatus that connects the, uh, make sure that the head doesn't roll around while they're being gassed up. So I get, um, strapped to the, the chair. I get the breathing apparatus over my nose. Um, the hygienist assisting with the procedure had never done this before. Um, so I'm, I'm listening to the training going on behind me. Um, and then they, they mentioned something that about an, an abnormality in the, the oxygen tank. And now I didn't think much of this uh, long ago. I had a, a chest x-ray and found out that my lungs are really, really abnormally large. I don't know what that means, but I always attribute that to weird things happening. Um, so I'm just like, okay, yeah, my, my giant lungs are causing the thing to, to malfunction. Um, they say, okay, we're just going to monitor this, this oxygen bag. An hour passes. All right. Teeth still very much in my mouth. We scheduled 90 minutes for this whole thing. My whole plan was to go in, get some nitrous, get some local anesthesia, come home, play video games the rest of the day. That was the whole plan. No dentist in sight. Hygienist is gone too. 70 minutes pass, right? Um, that is when the dentist finally comes in, sits beside me and says, I'm sorry. I, we're, we're not moving along this morning. We've run out of oxygen, right? <laughs> um, and that was a pretty key component of the anesthesia. Um, and then the, the, the dentist says <laughs> rough to run out on a Monday too. Like, I don't care that it's a Monday, homie. That's, that's not really what I'm about right now. I'm about getting the teeth removed from my mouth. Um, dentist asks if I would like to reschedule. Now I had already established that the nitrous was going to be very key for this entire thing. So I'm like, you know what? Let's still just, we can wait. Um, and that's, that's where we were. So I could have stayed. I could have gone with just a local and shot my blood pressure through the roof. Um, and that's, that's not sounding like too much fun. So they ran out of oxygen the day of, they did not know that they were out of oxygen. Now in my industry, we're supposed to monitor those, those very key that, um, key items, if you will, with safety stock kind of stuff. Um, they didn't know. And it blew my mind that something so essential, there wasn't a system in place to monitor that. So I keep thinking to myself, like, what would a customer say if I told them I ran out of a raw material and couldn't make what they have ordered? Um, like in, in the quality systems, ISO 
world, uh, we would have opened a corrective action, would have gathered a whole bunch of involved parties for a quick root cause analysis, figure out the, the what, why, how of that inventory failure, and then spend the next month or so going back and forth with the evidence to, to close out that corrective action as effective, you know? And, and that doesn't exist everywhere. And now again, I've been, I've been not essentially just working. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at on this one. It didn't dawn on me that some small businesses, these, these sort of organizations that, that exist and are very much pillars of the, the community don't, don't have these kind of tools in place. Um, so without that quality system, it, it feels like the wild west. And as a quality leader, um, that makes me incredibly nervous. I mean, the, the, this dentist office, they have an office manager, of course, who, who pays the bills. And that's, that's the office manager's focus, probably some scheduling duties and all, all that sort of stuff. And, and paying the bills is, um, a key essential item of that, but it gets much easier in a business process realm, that quality management system realm, if you have a process in place for that kind of stuff. All right. So if they had the support systems, if they had um, production tracking, the, those would be incredible tools for this dentist office. Uh, so ultimately, what I I thought to myself was there there are tremendous ways to improve this. And we could have avoided rescheduling it. And now think of think of all the the losses that were involved in needing to reschedule. I mean, I needed to use my allotted time off for the year. Um, not exactly an industry that does the take whatever vacation, don't abuse it sort of realm. Um, the dentist office lost that seat for a good hour and a half, um, and they still need it to to monitor me, they had three people, you know, constantly checking in on me there and it could have been prevented by really solid inventory management practices. And that's what brings us to the concept of a Kanban card. All right. Kanban card really means just visual tool um, or visual card. Kanban is visual card. Uh, so we're really saying Kanban card card, visual card card, not, not the doesn't roll off the tongue very well, but this Kanban card is a visual indicator at, that is established as a, a reorder point. Now, the dentist office um, could have you know, set up their oxygen tanks. You've got a row of five different tanks, and then you, as you start moving toward that last one, you put a little card on that last tank with a whole bunch of explicit instruction on what to order from who, when, and how many. And then you put the card back and then you, you have that resupply coming in. All right. That, that was a really clumsy example. So let's, let's run through some, some practical exercises that, that I've used a Kanban card in, um, a lot of manufacturing facilities will be able to set a min max level on their inventory management tools. And so if they're running like an, an MRP, that's a material requisition, something or other, it, that's not my side. So, but um, once they have that, that indication that they have reached a minimum quantity allowed by their system, 
then the the system is said tells the purchasing or the buying agent to buy more stuff of that and it'll send them that signal instantly saying like hey you need um so much uh metal to make more siding and I, i'm pretty sure siding is made out of metal but the system will send that alert to the purchasing agent all right so as we are removing things from the system a trigger point is set so if you have um, 10 and you need eight of them the system would be triggered at two to reorder so you start with 10 remove eight two are left that signal is sent saying hey pull this in for me and we'll be good for the next potential run now that is great for the majority of purchasing needs you've got raw material you've got your um, assembly components maybe you need to call in a, a paint or a, um, a secondary services provider to to trigger all of that stuff um, that's fine an automated system is fantastic not all of us have automated systems though I work in contract manufacturing, and some of those automated systems are pretty bad. So, a good way to overcome that is a physical card. All right, and I'm talking just a little four by six laminated sheet of paper, and in on that that paper you have some key items. Now, whenever I make a Kanban card, it has just a few things. You got to have the item name, the name of the supplier or the location where it can be found, if it's already in-house at all times, the item number with the supplier, or if it's an internal component, you put the internal component name as well, the quantity to reorder, all right, so if you need to always have six of these items on hand, your quantity to reorder um, would be six, four if you have to have only six. Um, the name of the person you take the card to and the name of the person you return the card to. Real simple, simple stuff. Um, and then on the cards that I, I do make, there are um, instructions on the back of how to, to use the card. Um, so the, the whole system is self-contained. All right, and let's say that um, we use it um, primarily for items like pens. You'll order eight boxes of blue Bic pens, and then as people chew through them or, or lose them all over the place, you start to need more pens. All right, so take a, a mental journey with me here. We're going to walk into these supply cabinets. That's that mythical place that's always controlled by somebody sitting right next to it, and they may have no interest in monitoring what's in that place. So they may have no experience or real duties, but they sit next to that mythical, the legendary supply closet, and they are now in charge of it. So whenever somebody says, oh, hey, we're out of pens, that person at that cubicle next to that supply closet is supposed to magically read their mind and reorder the pens. Kanban card eliminates magic. Well, that actually sounds really depressing when I put it like that. So the Kanban card introduces a new form of magic, the magic of efficiency. Yeah, woo. I, I'm not going to put sound effects in this thing, but imagine fireworks right there. That'll be cool. <laughs> so you have your um, row 
of eight pen boxes. So you have, let's say, 400 pens in this, this row of boxes. Just box after box after box of blue Bic pen. The pens go away over time. Um, people start throwing them out. They use them for, for whatever they're, they're doing. Um, and slowly but surely, you dwindle on that supply. Now, your typical MRP or automated system is not going to track these non-inventory items because it's it's a pen. Who cares? We're not going to we're not going to write these down on a on a weird you know, accounting spreadsheet somewhere. Nobody cares about the pens until they're gone, and that Kanban card is going to make sure they're never actually gone. So, the pens run out. All right, the person next to the cubicle um, has to reorder them now. And they're going to be like, oh, man, if only there were an easier way. When that next shipment of eight boxes of pens shows up, that person next to the cubicle is going to make up one of these Kanban cards. And again, that has the item name, the supplier name, the item number at the supplier, that quantity to reorder, um, the who the card is supposed to go to and where or who the card goes back to. All of that stuff is right on the card. Foolproof. It should be that easy. All right. So the person with the cube next to the the mythical legendary supply closet grabs those boxes of pens, puts them in the supply closet. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then the the further back, closer to that long away, far away door, uh, the, the wall at the end of the closet, they put that little card between box two and three. All right. So the boxes start going away. All right. That fourth box still in place. That um, third box. Sorry. Let's go with the third box still in place. And right behind it is that Kanban card. And then as soon as somebody goes into that closet and they move that third box, third to last box of pens, that little card is going to flutter ever so slowly to the shelf. All right, so it was being supported, nice, held up firm between the, the second and third boxes. Now you move that box, it falls down. Kabloop! All right? And it gives a visual signal that something weird just happened. All right? Doesn't happen all the time, these little cards showing up. So this is going to trigger the, the person grabbing that, that triggering box of pens, and they're going to look at that card, and they're going to say, oh, oh, look at that. There are so many instructions on here. And they can then run it over to the purchasing person, hand that card to the purchasing person. The purchasing person will place the pen purchase order. I, could, I ran out of P words. That would have been fun to keep that going. The, the order is placed, and then the card gets returned to whoever is in charge of restocking that cabinet. All right, quick signal. That's what the Kanban card does. There's no guesswork. There's nothing to, to really think about with this Kanban card there. It makes life easier. And you can do it for anything, right? So the um, pencils. I don't know why I went to pencils. Pencils doesn't make a lot of sense. If you've got pens in the office and you you're, should be using you know good document practices, shouldn't have a pencil in the building. 
<laughs> but um, all that that little stuff, your um, Kleenex boxes, your staples, even on the floor. Let's say that you have an assembly line running constantly and you need some some more inserts. You reach a certain point with your, your insert components and you're going to grab that card. You're going to run it back to the warehouse, say, oh, help me. And then the warehouse will place that order to get more stuff to you. This system works and it makes life easier. And anytime that you make stuff easier, you make stuff quicker, you make it more efficient, you make money, you save a whole lot of money just by reducing frustration in your workforce. Can you imagine how excited that person sitting next to the, the, the supply cabinet must be at all times now, knowing that the card is there to, to keep memory of everything. They don't have to keep a weird little spreadsheet saying like, oh, yes, well, Judy mentioned that the blue pens were down to just four boxes yesterday. There's no tracking. There's no trending. It's just grab the card, take it to where it needs to go, and then it makes its way back. Now, of course, the Kanban card idea takes a lot of work to build up. All right. What you're doing by introducing this concept of use this card to signal somebody to go bring this item to you, that creates the, it, it, it creates change, right? And, and people don't really like change. They aren't fond of newness, but what you can do, you owe quality leader, one who aims to make life easier and more efficient every day in the workplace, you can show the benefit of this, right? Every place that I have introduced Kanban cards to, it takes time and effort. First, you got to print out a whole bunch of cards. You got to cut them up. You got to um, write out all the information you need to identify what items aren't monitored in the, the MRP system, your, your purchasing person's automated system, and you have to identify what is essential. You know, you don't want to have a Kanban card for the one-time buy kind of stuff. That, that's not an efficient use of your time. It's the stuff that will cause a headache. At the end of the day, if it isn't present, it'll stuff. it's stuff that has long lead times. It'll stuff that's... Um, is just generally needed all the time, right? If you have any supply interruption to it, you are going to have a difficult time at work or at home, right? Because if I put a Kanban card on my cookie jar, like we were down to the last four inches of the cookie jar, I hit the Kanban card, there's that little signal, oh no, you need to make cookies. <laughs> That would be a bit extreme, but I've got two small kids at home. So if we don't have cookies at all times, life gets difficult. Those are the items that you want to identify for use for your Kanban system. All right. There's, there's so much stuff out there. And so the, the building and identifying what items you want to track and monitor with these uh, Kanban cards, um, that takes a little bit of time. Then you have to show people how to use them. All right. There's the onus is on you. The person who introduces these new concepts needs to be the champion of them and you need to be the owner of them. All right. That's one thing to, to go. Yahoo. Yay. Okay. I'm on to my next thing. 
It's another to own the process. And that's that's a, that's a key takeaway for for pretty much any quality system. Uh, you need to be champion and owner. Um, again, there there should be a lot of these. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that that side of it later. Um, but building that that Kanban culture, you need to show people how to do it. You need to tell people how to do it. You need to guide people through the process, and you need to observe how they interact with the process. Using that kind of idea, um, you'll be able to better enforce what, what the concept means. You know, make sure that they're using it correctly. You make sure that they're using it well, and not only correctly and well, but to their benefits. All right. Any, any quality tool that you put in place needs to show the benefit to the user on, on how it's going to make their life easier. All right. That's really all the quality is, is making life better for lazy people. And we are all lazy when we can be. <laughs> um, that, I don't know if that's more dire than, than the last dire thing said, but that, that's beside the point. So the, the Kanban card, the card itself takes time is, is ultimately what I'm saying here. The, once people start to see the benefit and how much easier life is, that, then, then it becomes worthwhile. I mean, you'll, you'll start to see easier adoption to other things. The, the joy of starting with the Kanban system, it really doesn't take a lot of effort on your part. Um, you just need to look around, um, make a template for, for your Kanban card. There are lots of really good Kanban cards already available for sale online. Go check those out. Um, just search Kanban card uh, and, and you'll go to all of the, the top cards. Um, but essentially what you're looking for, item name, um, item supplier name, where it comes from, the item number at the supplier or internal, the quantity to reorder, who the card goes to, where it returns to. Those are the items that, that are essential for a Kanban card. So that's that's really just uh, six six fields to uh, to fill out. And then you got to place them. Um, I do suggest laminating the cards because they will get destroyed otherwise. Oh my goodness. Laminate these things. Get a good laminator. Get one that heats up fast. Um moves fast, spend the money on a laminator. That is, if, if you're going to listen to future episodes of this, um, do know that the laminator is the most vital tool that you will own in your possession as a quality person, as we move into visual management, uh, and, and how that, that works. <laughs> so laminate the cards once they're all filled out, place them where they need to go. Do a quick training with your group. Um, document that training as well. Um, always need to document um, the training. Um, and then do that show how it's done. Tell people how it's done. Guide people for how to use it. And then watch it go. Um, so so you'll get through that whole realm. You've, you've trained them. You've seen them use it. You watch how it happens. You can adapt it from there. Show, tell, guide, observe. That's, that's what you need to do. Um, those are the, the key elements to the Kanban card. Um, just work with people. Understand that it is not going to happen overnight, the adoption of these processes. But use it yourself, and other people will too. That's really my, my 
big thing for Kanban cards. It's an easy entry point into getting the, the big concepts that, that quality systems um, promote, um, and it, it'll be a, a very good benefit. Um, back to the, the dentist side, if they had identified on their oxygen tanks that get plugged in um, every day, they probably have like a group of 10 tanks that they start moving out. Um, if they had utilized a Kanban card, just taped it to the number nine of 10, then they would have been able to do that reorder. And then I would have had my teeth out way sooner than, um, than it, it ultimately took. The rescheduling was three weeks later. Uh, and this was the second time it was rescheduled because my first dentist had broken his thumb the weekend before my first appointment was supposed to go. So really, this whole thing was uh, an ordeal, if you will. <laughs> um, but easily prevented the one that could be prevented. Uh, the, the broken thumb thing, I don't hold that against him whatsoever. Not ordering or having enough oxygen in-house the day of an expected surgery, that one I do um, hold a bit of a grudge. But it was corrected, right? And that's, that's the cool stuff. So as we close out here, I mean, your, your drive into work is probably long over. So uh, we're going to spend the next you know few minutes on the drive home. Probably. Um, I, I can't imagine anybody listening to this right now while doing dishes. You could Kanban your dishes, though. If you can figure out how, send me an email. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, as we close out, um, just recognize that the, the Kanban system gives you that, that physical, tangible something to identify that you need more of X to meet your requirement. And that is just really cool. Um, there, there are tons of information on Kanban cards if you want to read about it as well. Um, just again, search Kanban cards. You'll find plenty of places that have them for sale and uh, plenty of places that go into the, the deeper history of these. This is definitely a, a lean manufacturing concept. Um, I'm pretty sure it's related to Toyota production system. Um, not entirely sure on the origin of it. Um, but it's my goodness, is it an awesome tool to, to help make life easy? All right. So that will do it for episode one of Everyday Quality. Uh, if you have comments, and I hope you do, um, share with me all of your, your cool stuff that you know about Kanban systems. Let me know what you want to talk about. Send that email to everydayqualitypod at gmail.com. And we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, there's so much to learn, so much to do. Uh, exciting times ahead for sure. I really appreciate you tuning in. Um, tell us, um, tell us that was very royal. Tell me <laughs> what you want to hear and we'll, we'll talk about it. What went right, what went wrong. Um, looking forward to it and hopefully better outros in the future. We'll see process improvement. That's what we'll call it. <laughs>